Welcome everybody to the third installment of Only Real Fans. That's real with two E's because it's a movie podcast. If you're tuning in because you liked what you heard in the last two episodes, thanks for coming back. If you've tuned in because you thought this was Only Fans, I'm sorry. Hopefully you stick around. I'm the host of this episode, Brian Riley, with uh, Dylan Bentlage, Simon Keenan's Kincaid, Emily Zisco, and Louis Dario Mulberg. We're here to talk about some spooky Halloween movies. The Host, Train to Busan, Fright Night, and Overlord. How's everyone doing today? Not bad, man. Doing great. I meant about you. Yeah. Not, I meant about your uh, your opening. Not, I'm also doing okay. Like your opening. <laughs> and honestly, the just, the hardest part was just getting all of our names in order and all the different parts of all our different names. So I think for that, alone, yeah. Ryan deserves some some uh, some credit. Some props. Yeah, you nailed it. Thank God you didn't. Thank God you didn't try to pronounce Bong Joon Ho's name <laughs> last time. <laughs> <laughs> it was just director Bong for the episode. Exactly. <laughs> I didn't Bond. edit that. I didn't edit that out either, man. I just kept that. Yeah, in for you it's good. Anytime it's like rule of thumb with a podcast. Anytime someone says, "Oh, we'll edit that out," just never edit it out because it's going to be good material. Unless you said something quite off, then just keep it in there. It's going to be good stuff. Well, so what a what a great segue. Let's talk about the host, shall we? <laughs> yeah, Sounds Brian. Good, so, well, do you want to talk about like, I guess, why did you pick these specific movies? Like, what drew you to them, or? What did you know about them going in? Um, I knew next to nothing about every single one. I knew like the general plot, but that's about it. It was more like I came across them while searching for movies to watch. And I was like, oh, this one sounds good. I want to watch this one day. And then like these were like four movies where it's like, well, I could watch it. But I'll watch this one instead. So then when the idea for October to do some kind of spooky thriller halloween-esque uh movies came up i was like ah let's just throw all these in here see what happens because i did originally want to do a south korean film theme but wanted to be in line with halloween so i did two south korean flicks and two american flicks yeah, I mean, I'd actually want to know, I mean, we're going to talk about these movies, of course, but I want to know what your four original picks would have been if it was just going to be South Korean films, because I would hope for Old Boy, but I know that most of us have probably seen that. Yeah, I'd, I've seen that, probably- so I didn't want to pick. It was going to be those two, and then Man From Nowhere, and uh, I forget the other one. I want to say it was the and something with the devil. Forgot the name. Ooh. I'll look it up. I think I actually it might be the same director who did Old Boy, but I'm not 100% on that. I actually, I want to keep my phone up because if we're going to talk uh, South Korean films, I also want to be able to pronounce the names correctly. And I'm not, I'm not too proud to admit that I don't remember any of the names of the characters in those movies because, I mean, it was quite difficult to keep track of all that going on. So they became monikers for me well here's a question for you guys did you watch uh subtitled versions of the south korean movies or did you watch dubbed versions subtitles 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 simon and i found a dubbed version of of train Train to to busan Busan. (laughs) wow we should start talking about that one i guess we we haven't even touched on the host yet but i know that that changes your opinion completely of a movie completely really interesting it must be such a different film. But the subtitles were so strange. And you mean the, the dub or the subtitle? No, the subtitle. Like, when we were watching the subtitle version, we started on the subtitle version, and I was like, this doesn't make any sense. And then we switched over mm-hmm. to the dub version, and it still didn't make any sense, but I was like, this is a little more close to, I guess, what someone would say, right? <laughs> but, but the yeah. problem was... It was like, it sounded like they only got one actor to do all the voice work. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's classic. Like one man, which maybe is standard in like the dubbing, like the process of that. Like it was just like one not guy standard. named Steve just doing all the male voices and then like a woman and like a kid to be the, the child in the movie. The woman and kid were maybe the same person. Yeah, honestly could have been the same person. I can imagine the, uh, the dubbed crying for the kid being just, Horrendous. It usually it was, oh my it was a one person show for sure. And honestly, and they weren't even really trying to switch up the voices of the characters at all. So, like, any ability to distinguish and like 
keep characters separate in your head that is already a little bit difficult with a foreign movie in another language where you don't necessarily recognize the names as easily was just gone because it was all just this one guy going, hey, you get back over here. Like, we have to stop this train. Don't let them <laughs> in. It was so funny. I, wa- I wonder, though, if that kind of, like, ups the campiness of it. And it would have been kind of cool to watch the host sub- uh, dubbed because that movie in itself is supposed to be kind of campy. I find, like... It almost benefited from the fact that the monster looks so fake that it made me enjoy it more because it's supposed to be this B-level monster flick. And then the dubbing would have actually added a lot of that for me. You know, the dubbing being intentionally terrible. Train to Busan, you'd think the dubbing would help because really, I don't want to read a zombie movie. If I'm totally honest, I didn't really read a lot of the, di- the, the subtitles because it doesn't matter, you know. And anytime I did, it seemed to be things probably would have taken me out of the film. Like, I really didn't like the fact that here we go with the the lead guy whose name is Seek Wu, and how his like lab you should, is the just one. Just say actor Wu. We're just gonna do that. Their Act- title and then like actor Wu. Yeah. <laughs> actor Wu. No, that's the character's name. His his real name is Gong Yo. Oh, so actor Yo. Actor Wu- Yo. Um, but you know his like lab being the one that started the virus. To me, that's stuff that I didn't need in that movie, and I didn't really appreciate it because it just seems like too cliche for a zombie film where it's like ah oh, the lead guy's the reason it's happening as well oh he yeah. also was like a hedge fund or something so like his can... involvement in it wouldn't mean anything it's just it, it, like technically <laughs> yeah. you'd be like okay his company like may have funded the what the research that led <laughs> the to, laboratory, this out, yeah, but, to this out yeah, his, his guilt would be so far like uh, removed from the actual like in event that it wasn't worth it honestly the drama but, behind so. it was probably like oh no the stock's gonna fall now shit <laughs> but also like you can't start saying like oh like these are the things I didn't need in this zombie movie that takes place on a train because that's just a wormhole that you'll never get out of right like, <laughs> yeah, the list that's is endless. very true that's very true uh, okay I agree with you I mean yeah at the end of the day I sh- you shouldn't be so picky with a, a zombie movie on a train and just enjoy the things that you sh- that are really cool like the, I thought the special effects were great and the zombies were terrifying it was a better version of the World War Z zombies which is why that movie is probably so famous and I was like alright cool I don't need the 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 extra fluff I could have honestly watched it with no subtitles or dubbing and probably just as just as much enjoyed the film except so. I do get a kick out of whenever um, Sang Hua calls uh, Wu asshole it's like hey asshole come on was that the, was that the same in the dubbing yeah it was it was it was but it, it, I feel like it just made him seem like it honestly more hit of a yeah just more, even more like absurd that like these guys were in the middle of a zombie pandemic, like fighting for their lives. And then we're taking the time to be like, Hey, you like screw you, man. And then like when he's talking to his daughter and being like, your daddy's probably not a very good daddy, huh? <laughs> why would you, why yeah, would my you favorite thing, my that? favorite thing about train to Busan is that the, our main, our, our lead actor, he never got redeemed as a father. Like it was like, like no. his, his daughter was like, yeah, like thanks for saving my life. Dad, that's the bare fucking minimum. Like, <laughs> you could have probably like shown up to my dance bomb, recital. Yeah, like it's you had I, one I gotta, job. I gotta really appreciate the level of the same guy dubbing it, so he's just effectively calling himself an asshole. <laughs> I, having that your inner dialogue in a he Foley just kind of had a personal or, therapy session with himself. <laughs> oh man, but that kind of yeah, reminds no, you're me. You're totally right. Uh, I think it was when we watched Iron Monkey, Dylan. Or maybe it was maybe it was when I watched the dubbed Crouching Tiger, but one one of those have a very similar thing. But like half, oh no, no, it was Project A. That's what it was, Project A. It's like an '80s Jackie Chan movie, and half of the dubbing is like a British guy. <laughs> yeah, it just and like makes Jackie you... Chan is still he he does his own dubs, but everybody else is like British. Yes, is British. It yeah. makes you wonder why like these big like internationally distributed movies that they've put so much money and resources into making when it comes to the dubbing for other languages they're just like eh, who cares like they just really are phoning it in or like saving money like they've run out of money by that point but you know that german films don't do that um german movies have set guys that do the dubbing for each actor so there's like a effectively a german brad pitt who only ever dubs brad pitt 
So he constantly has work as long as Brad Pitt's employed. And they like take that shit really seriously. Like that's it's a great, but idea. it's Germany. So you'd expect, yeah, it's crazy. He could go out to places and be like, I'm German. <laughs> I love that <laughs> that's role. his job. That's unbelievable, right? Um, and then they're going to be like, wow, you like, sound just like him. <laughs> Why do I associate your you voice say, with a chiseled jawline? That's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> he could be like bald and like glasses and he just voices Brad Pitt. He could be the H. John Benjamin of Brad Pitt movies, yeah. you guys know <laughs> exactly. No, I was thinking of that same reference. I do have to um, say though, there was one, there was one part of Train to Busan that I was pretty impressed by, which was, um, am I allowed to say spoilers? I am, right? Yeah, okay, course, okay. yeah. I mean, all right. Nobody's listening to this shit. Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. So, Except um, the people thought this was OnlyFans, <laughs> yeah. which they have a serious misunderstanding of how the internet works. <laughs> what a podcast! <laughs> this sixty-year-old dude is in his basement, like on iTunes. <laughs> OnlyFans. <laughs> let let Emily say her uh, point. My point was that the ending, when our main character was um, killed by like the the guy the the antagonist who was like obviously like a representation of like a capitalist like you know cutthroat kind of guy like uh the main our main character could have so easily gone down that path and like that schism to me i was like uh if you become the hero you see yourself like you live long enough to see yourself become the villain or whatever you know what i mean like (laughs) yeah nolan yeah and i just thought there was something like i know that this is like you know just a fun flick but at the same time i was like yeah, that's so true. And also like a very good arc point. Like I really thought it was quality. Yeah, I agree. You see, I had a kind of a different response to to like the ending at least of that character. I agree. I see what you're saying, Em, and I agree. <laughs> but I couldn't take his self-sacrifice seriously. Like I agree I agreed with your point of it being the bare minimum, but this whole like the whole scene where he finally gets like that that asshole. I don't know the guy's name, but the actual asshole, the business dude who's just been murdering people more than the zombies have been murdering people, like becomes a zombie. Um, and he bites his hand. The only thing I could be thinking, I could think of that entire scene was that was like one of those decisions you make where immediately you regret it because there were so <laughs> many other ways to attack that situation. And the moment you do it, you're like, this was the worst decision you could make like in that moment where he decides to put his hand over that guy's mouth rather than any other position that he could have tried and that kind of took me out of any sort of redemption slash like all I can think of you dumb fuck like you genuinely so many other avenues you could have gone with saving your daughter there and that is that's the only one you could come up with Um, it it took me out of the film yeah no Dylan's a master tactician when it comes to fighting zombies he knows exactly what he is well I just mean like when I'm watching as a third party (laughs) observer and I can like think about it more clearly than anybody else that was that was my response about it yeah but the metaphor was good like yes technically it was wrong right but the metaphor was actually something that was like a little more interesting than the rest of this movie where if we're going to talk about technicalities of zombie fighting how you tell me how that baseball guy lived to see like the third act like he was in the back from day one like like i i am uh okay yep well it, so he this, just read the script and followed along and he survived I well I, I this was a this was a thing i wanted to bring up for for all of us to talk about in relation to both the host and train to busan which is sort of like it seems like in this specific type of like Korean sort of thriller action movie, there's always or there's often the so the undercurrent of some like of like social commentary, which is true of a lot of genres, a lot of like horror and stuff like that. But it seems very specifically pointed in like South Korean movies, like at least as using these two as an example of like painting like these corporations, these like capitalist systems or in the host it's even more like specifically like america there's like there's the positioning of them as like the evil force that is creating this thing that is wreaking havoc on the world and really what like the rot of the society is is these like types of people like the businessman or whoever that then the monster zombies are just kind of like they're a fallout of that you know what i mean i think that's that's some pretty interesting that you don't necessarily see in the uh, i'd say train to busan had the best uh kind of scene for me that reflected like a hard pointed social commentary the scene where 
or the sequence rather, where they try to get into the the safe train car, right? They've finally worked their way back from saving their, you know, the little girl and the, the pregnant wife. And like, they won't let them in, right? They're worried they're infected. Mean business guy keeps on saying they're infected and then gets them all to turn on them and all that. And, uh, then finally the, the older lady just opens the door because she's like sickened by the fact they, well, she, she, it's funny. She says like, why do you, you know, to her sister, I guess, elderly sister, why do you always have to do something for everybody else or something? It's really a commentary on like selfishness yep. in the culture. It's like. And he really sticks with really that knife. I the idea yet, but I do find it those two movies, Bri, were extremely potent in today's uh, society a little bit because they like reference SARS in the host and like this idea of infection and uh, pandemics. And then also the, the same in Train to Busan. It was v- weirdly very uh, relevant. And I wanted to find more. I don't know if you guys were thinking somewhat of the same and have maybe a more refined I, thought on that, but I did think those were kind of nice touches to not only just a uh, like October horror month, but also things that were kind of relevant that you could at least extrapolate some sort of relevance um, uh, in society now with that stuff. Well, I, or did no one feel that everyone's zombies <laughs> and that was just no? no I, I think I, I mean I think Luis's point is basically what you're getting at, which is like oh the the selfishness of the people of people in catastrophes that you see in these type of zombie movies that's supposed to be the sort of like critique underneath i think it's just more apparent today in the real world you don't have to look into a zombie movie and see it you can just look out into the world and be like yeah like wow people are really selfish when it comes to like you know looking out for the general public good when there's like or helping others when there's like a lot of danger going on i just want to bring up just looking past then the relevance something that i noticed that i think me and brian were talking about like what a week ago about yeah the the way that the 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 dad what how should i call him you know, the uh the badass from train to busan the way he dies versus the way that the main character dies kind of expanding on my idea of like i couldn't take the main character's last uh resort of stopping that evil dude seriously because it just seemed like there was a thousand other ways to like uh execute that situation and that was one of those ones where last second decision and you just think immediately damn that was really dumb the reverse happened for me with that badass dude who uh like is holding the door and he puts his hand on the door and then gets bit that was like a reverse situation to me where i was like it's a split second decision that like seems smart at the time but like just that one dumb move that leads you to like dying it like gave me so much more respect for that character his death i don't know if that's Maybe just me, but I, I think I explained it better over the phone with you, Bri, where it was like kind of almost the exact opposite for me of how I felt about the main character's death, where I thought his move was really stupid and not necessary. And the other guy was like, just did one bad move in a very, very stressful situation. Yeah, but with like te- I think that's because no. we have like the true hero, which is that the that father figure who gives our main character a hard time. He's like the true hero. His actions are always noble. He is always like doing the moral choice. Like he's got a baby on the way with his wife who he is passionately in love with. You know what I mean? And then there's like our flawed hero who's our protagonist. And that's like, I mean, structurally, that's why they set those two things at opposition. And that's why like maybe his death seems less um, like noble or less earned, I suppose. Um, But also like- Stupid. The whole, I mean, also the whole the whole thing is dumb, so it doesn't matter. Right. <laughs> yeah, I feel like with this movie, everything was boiled down to such basic elements. Like, you have to rescue the pregnant wife and the child, and then there's the bad businessman. And, like, basically everyone is an archetype of something, which made it so that yeah. I kind of agree with what you were saying before, Dylan. Like, you could you could watch the this movie without the subtitles off, with, with the subtitles off or without a dub, and it would probably be as enjoyable in terms of the action and the plot you might lose a little bit of that social commentary but a lot of it was like so clearly like hitting you right over the head with it i think i think it's a little bit true with the host too i think both of the movies have like kind of this like very direct commentary that they're like putting in your face but it's wrapped up in a enough entertaining enough of a packaging of like a creature monster thriller that like it it goes down I think, like, pretty smoothly. Also, I'd like to point out, like, this movie came out, Train to Busan came out in 2016, 
And Snowpiercer, which is Bong Joon-ho movie, came out in 2013. Yep. Again, thank you. Trains. Yeah. Again, yeah, apocalypse. You. Like it, it's Again, Korean. Like, social Korean. classes <laughs> conflicting. Same director as yeah, the host. Like, I, yeah, it's really kind of like this is something else that I w- wanted to touch on with this movie because when it came out, everyone was talking about it. Or at least I heard a lot of people talking about Train to Busan. Like, oh, you got to see this. Oh, you got to see this. And I never did. And now that I have, I think my opinion walking away from it is it builds on really good concepts and uh, make some of those concepts better, but nothing I found in that movie really actually hit me originally. Right. It's very hard to make an original zombie movie, um, or original horror in general. Nowadays, horror is so saturated with like monsters and vampires and stuff that it's very difficult to keep something original. But the, the thing that kind of took me out of train to Busan was this whole train aspect because I like Snowpiercer so much. And because it came out three years previously, it made me immediately think, Three years is about exactly the amount of time you need to pre-produce, film, (laughs) and edit a movie. So this director could have just gone to the cinema and been like, trains, man, (laughs) zombies on trains. That's cool. (laughs) And it could have been a direct ripoff from Snowpiercer. I think, too, it was not so much a direct ripoff, but but just this more easy-to-digest version of Snowpiercer. Because, like, Snowpiercer was, I don't know, I watched it and I was like, that's a disturbing movie. And I watched this movie and I was like, that wasn't really disturbing. Was I, like... Like, was I, did I get all the hallmarks that I was supposed to feel as an audience watching this movie? Yes. Did I when I was watching Snowpiercer? No. I felt really weird after watching Snowpiercer. So, like, I felt like they yeah. were just trying to take that kind of, like, action thriller on a train yeah. idea and make it more digestible. Simplistic. Yeah. And it, and it worked. Yeah. Like, Train to Busan huge trans- is a huge franchise now, you know? So Yeah. Yeah, I want to see the sequel. I still haven't seen it. It didn't get as good reviews, but it looks really cool about like how the whole Korean peninsula is now taken over by zombies and a group of ragtime soldiers got to go save a little girl and fight all these hordes of zombies and also Mad Max people. And it's cra- it looks really crazy. I, I hate looks- to be a dick, but did, did you just say ragtime soldiers? <laughs> no, ragtag group of soldiers. I didn't say ragtag. Okay, I, I rag-time. was really enjoying ragtime soldiers. <laughs> the whole story. <laughs> oh my god um, but I did think that Train to Busan you're, you're totally right Emily it just it hit all the beats and I enjoyed it and Snowpiercer left me more disturbed but it was kind of hard for me to get out of that Train to Busan um, or that Snowpiercer mindset watching it because it just kind of felt like okay now we got two Korean chain movies in the last three years I think the best thing about it was like World War Z, which also came out in 2013, which also gives you just the right amount of time to say <laughs> just these zombies, the two together. badass. These zombies on a train? What a movie. <laughs> and I think they did do a good job expanding on a really cool concept of zombie that probably was going to be lost in a shitty movie because World War Z was not a good film, but I did really like the concept of these like super fast kind of horde-like mob zombies that like you don't really see a lot in like Walking Dead or Shaun of the Dead or any of that stuff like the like Night of the Living Dead anything with dead in there it's always slow slow zombies but like these things were like almost like human spiders it was really creepy yeah. they were World War Z zombies but slightly more realistic like they couldn't pile up a mile high but yeah, they were you know the, yeah the, the World War Z z- the World War Z zombies really knew how to unionize you know like <laughs> <laughs> they really understood the common goal. They, they yeah, they really exercises. Did, I wonder. I wonder if there's a metaphor you could take out there, a theme, the unionization of these zombies. Yeah, it's funny. The the sequel to Train to Busan, which none of us have seen, but what you just described, just sounds exactly like Overlord. It just sounds like they made Overlord, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That, that would be a good transition if we wanted to talk about Overlord a little bit. That is a very good transition, yeah. I was so surprised by the, like, like that explicit rape scene. Because, like, they dragged that shit on for 15 minutes. 
Like, like, yes. like they almost got caught. I they was seemed, starting to think they'd do they, it. Yeah, like I was like, is this about to happen? And I was like, oh, this is not, no, 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 no. Like this, and I, and I was like, how did this like go through a room of people and get passed for production? Like how did that, that yeah, totally six agree. to 10 page That was scene. the most uncomfortable part of the whole thing. It's supposed to be a zombie flick. Dude, this sounds more like we're just shitting on films this month, but that movie, Overlord, took itself way too seriously, way too much for me. And that rape scene, I was thinking, this has no place in a zombie Nazi film. Nope. Like if you're gonna try to make some over, like, over commentary on like good American soldiers saving French women from being raped, this is not a place. <laughs> that should be in Saving Private Ryan and they didn't even do it in that movie. Well, so right. leave it out. Also, I just felt like the joy like I just felt the like director and everyone fucking on set like circle jerking as like they were like oh in the next <laughs> shot like we're gonna like he's gonna like go between her legs and then we're gonna put the, the gun right behind his head and that's how we'll reveal that he's caught and he's not gonna rape her like I felt them like being so hype we did that, it like, boys we saved her yeah like Mr. President we got him like I just like I just like couldn't and I was just like I gotta get out of here like what the, where are the zombies, bro? Like, give me more zombies. Give yeah, me like, less rape. Like, what is going on? It was really, it couldn't decide if it wanted to be Unreal. like a standard war movie, which it was a good one, a good version Absolutely, of. Absolutely, the first 40 first minutes. minutes. Yeah, like. I love the first 40 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And, and then it was like, will we be a zombie movie? Nah, not yet. Not yet. Now let's be a zombie movie for about five. Right. It was so, like, that was like, frustrating because, like, it's pitched, you know, like, you look it up and it's like, oh, <laughs> It's about like them being stranded on this uh, this town that happens to be like over allegedly overrun with zombies in the Nazi party, and it's just just wasn't that. You know, I thought they'd explore more into the whole like the conspiracy of like the Nazis doing experiments yeah. on people, making these zombified creatures, and I just like didn't. It was just like the last ten minutes. Dude, you know what? When like shit away. was hitting. You know what blew me away the most about that movie? That, the fucking lead guy is Kurt Russell's son. Did you guys know that the blonde? Oh, dude? the the blonde dude, not the lead, not the lead, but like no, the, not the, the captain not the kind black, of the black guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Russell's son. No, the the blonde guy, like Wyatt Russell. Did you? Know I that? did know. Yeah, that. I never knew. Yeah, that. I did know that. Why don't you tell me that, Dylan? I like saw the resemblance. As soon as I saw that, as soon as I heard that, I was like, that dude just looks like a blonde Kurt Russell, which makes sense because his mom's Goldie Hawn. Mm-hmm. So he just looks like Goldie Russell. I mean, if we can say it, that guy. That guy looks kind of like Dylan, if I'm uh, being yeah, honest. Yeah. Dylan is, looks like Kurt I'm going to second by, that by as well. I also thought that. I was like, Dylan just picked this movie because he looks like him. I didn't, didn't pick this movie. Even pick Brian it. picked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Brian is obsessed with Dylan. <laughs> Brian, Brian I wanted, has a crush I on Dylan. Have Dylan a lookalike Dylan in a bad light. Okay, guys. <laughs> I did think, though, that movie, like, I watched it with Luis, and when we started it, both me and him were like, oh, this is going to be sick because that open plane se- that opening plane sequence is unreal. Like, it's actually yeah. it should be studied more or like shown more in places because it's so well done and like the the sergeant who I really like because he's in Fargo season two I forget his name now but um mm-hmm. let me go let me Google him actually but that was just such yeah, he's a great awesome, actor yeah that was such an awesome sequence mm-hmm. and then it just it completely went downhill it, like the see he knew he knew what that movie should have been he played it campy but he played it cool. And, you know, it, it was a send up of a type of character. And I think he realized that. And this movie should have been a lot less into itself and sent it more with the campiness. Wasn't it so funny, though, that the the colonel at the beginning who was in the plane was like, all right, boys, this is it. We're getting into the meat and then immediately died. Like he like <laughs> yeah. he was like, yeah. but he was excited up until the like, end. He was so amped. He was like, yo, like, this is it. And yeah, then dude, if anyone's curious in. his name, because I do really like that actor. He, if you haven't seen Fargo season two, guys, go watch it. He's in it and he's fantastic. But his name is actually super difficult. Bokeem Wood. Woodbine, son. So that mm-hmm. would have been a way better name, Colonel Woodbine. I would have been really Ooh, interested yeah. in that character. This, as soon as he dies, I wasn't interested in the movie. If I'm honest, for like 45 minutes, well, it was boring. You know, you know what was the other thought I had watching this movie that I think you guys will appreciate is like this is the movie that um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is making fun of when there's the when when Leonardo DiCaprio as Rick Dalton in in the movie you know three layers in is like hey Nazis and like lights everyone on fire and it's like so campy I think you're right Luis like that 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 was the lineage of this movie was just like like a completely two-dimensional like 
over the top like World War II movie, but then it was doing all this other stuff too and sort of trying to make it really visceral also, which just was like it was a weird combination. But I, I just thought of the happen. I just thought of the once upon a time in Hollywood scene. With especially because the, they use a flamethrower in this movie. It just took me out of it though when it got too serious. Like the the forty five minutes of like this weird shit in the house where you think the aunt is gonna be like this cool like recurring thing but turns out to be nothing and then like that overly campy new yorker dude that has to be in every goddamn oh my god with the kid too oh and yeah he's like he's, he's like fuck too, right? you kid and then he's like but i love you yeah that was probably my least favorite of the month if i'm gonna be totally honest it was uh, uh the i agree yeah was yeah <laughs> have you guys seen dead yeah. snow I no. think I have. I think I watched it in high school with some friends. Yeah, it's isn't it like a isn't it like Swedish or something? Yeah, it's like a that? Swedish film about like how in Sweden like these like Nazis that went north got buried in a mountain and come back to life in like modern day, and it's a way better Nazi zombie film. It's like they the entire town of Sweden has to come together with pitchforks and shovels and fight off this horde of Nazi zombies. <laughs> literally like Call of Duty. It's pretty awesome. Wow. Had I heard of that before I found Overlord, I would have. Pick that one. It was your month, <laughs> and I wasn't going to say anything. So, <laughs> but um, nah, that was definitely my least favorite. But the Fright Night, man, we can move on to Fright Night if we want, because I don't have more to say on Overlord. Yeah, that, was a, that was a great, terrible 80s segue. Terrible movie. segue. I'll, I'll I'll say my one positive thing about Overlord. I actually I think the the main character, the lead, the black guy. I think he was really good, like as good as you can be in one of these type of movies. Just like yeah. his like face and his eyes and his performance. He was just like empathetic and engaging to watch like if i was watching this movie I, the only thing i would take away probably would be like i would i would cast him in another movie that was better yeah. than this you know what yeah. I mean? it didn't do me favors on wyatt russell at all actually i didn't really like him that much no nah, because he was just so it was just that archetype that louise is talking about it's like there's the soldier who's like not sure about this whole soldiering thing and then there's like the really serious tough guy who's just like we gotta stick to the mission you know and it's just that yeah that's yeah. it like, I'm not making it out of here. And Wyatt Russell doesn't look that tough. And maybe also because Wyatt Russell looks like me, it wasn't. So you're saying you're, you don't look that tough? No. You're a bit of a wimp, dude. I do have to say, like, in Fright Night, like, I was strongly in the vampire's corner because, like, Chris Sarandon is so fucking hot that I was, like, so... <laughs> so amped for this girl to like get laid to Chris Sarandon like when she was like like when the they were dance in the, the dance sequence oh my like God. when she was like when she was like manipulating him, he was like manipulating her and like brainwashing her I was like that yes like I love this like go girl like you're about to have a great night like <laughs> Sally says Jack oh, literally man. that that honestly that movie was very sexual well I I, I think Vampires have always been kind of, I mean, that's something I liked about this movie. It was just vampires by the yeah. book. It was just like all the vampire rules, all the vampire characteristics right there. Just checking all the boxes. Yeah. And it wasn't asking, it wasn't asking the audience to like think very hard. It was just like, look, man, like this is a vampire movie. Like we're going to see it from start to finish. There's going to be yeah. a hot vampire. He's going to take a virgin. It's gonna, and then he's probably gonna die. And like, you know, that's just what it is. One of the other great vampire movies, which is a shame we're not talking more about Fright Night, but I guess to our audience, it's a great movie and there's not much to say because it's just straightforward. Like there's just vampires, they do what you expect and it's pretty awesome. But did you ever see- It's hot and heavy. Did you ever see Interview with a Vampire? Oh my God, duh. That's a great one. That's- It's so good. Yeah, that's just sexy vampires galore. I loved German Brad Pitt in that one. <laughs> Tom Cruise and Antonio Banderas. If that's not sexy vampires, I don't know what is sexy vampires. And it also combined it also combines Emily's other love of like period movies because it's old fashioned vampires. So it's like really perfect. Really checks all the boxes. Well, I mean, one one thing I, I, I'd say I like about Fright Night was that scene where he like in, where he gets into uh, I forget the main character's name, but he gets in the main character's room at night. You know, oh, yeah. and, like locks the mom inside their room. Like that's a very balls to the wall. Like, you know, screw the suspense. We're just going to put this guy right there and he's going to try and, and kill you. Tossing him around. Like, just like, he's just tossing around. He's like going to shove him out the window. The guy's like, you know, doing the classic, you know, using his fingernails to hold on for dear life. Like that, that was good early in the movie too. Yeah. Like it just set up the stakes nicely. Like this guy will fuck <laughs> you up. 
You will. I like Simon how and I were saying yeah. that, um, like, Chris Sarandon's biggest threat to our main character, what was his name? The I don't I, Like, I, some just kid name, like, Freddy or John. <laughs> um, oh, Evil? Evil? No, not the, Evil. They keep calling oh, God, evil. No, oh, my God. About that, Let's dude. talk about Evil for a second. <laughs> like, I thought he was bros with our main dude, but, like, I guess they had some beef because, you know... Well, he his was name's evil. evil Ed for a reason, right? He's well, he kind was of also a just. Dude. I think they were. I think they were all kind of dicks to him. I think that was the idea, and then they just kind of they kind of jumped from zero to sixty. With Do that you guys concept. know who yeah, plays like, evil in uh, in the remake? No. no. Oh yeah, uh, McLovin, right? Yeah, McLovin, McLovin, <laughs> play, Mick, Mick Lovin plays Christopher uh, Mince Plass. That's so funny, right? <laughs> it's very strange. Fun, fun fact about the actor who plays Evil Ed in this one: the only other thing I've seen him in is this like comedy called heaven help us about these boys at like a catholic prep high school and his character like barely talks in the whole thing but he's like part of the crew and his thing is that he jerks off too much (laughs) and they do like they're in confession and like he has like a list of all his confession stuff and like the guy uh was it kevin kevin dylan is the main char- one of the main characters like jesus christ Williams, you jerked off like this many times in a month and it's been a month since your last confession and they did the math and it's like something like like four or five times per day or something it was like 4.01 like per day like they did this extreme math, <laughs> the, math. the guy the girl that plays um the, the woman actually she's not even a girl when she did this uh amy the the Girl yeah, role in Amanda it, yeah, Amy. Amanda mm-hmm. uh, Beers. I know her from uh, uh, Married with Children, so I couldn't get that out of my head the entire time. Also, because I was constantly just seeing the whole Married with Children sets. Because she's, like, I do have to <laughs> say, in regards to the whole Evil Ed thing, like there are no small parts, only small actors. Like he had that on his trailer every day, like before he left. Because honestly, the faces he was making were just truly so hammy he was such a ham and like it really served the movie i felt honestly yeah i feel like the common thread is that we're finding like all of our favorite parts or our favorite characters in these uh like sort of campy creature movies are like the the supporting roles who are really just going over the top and like clearly having fun with it you know like the 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 colonel or sergeant or whatever in overlord the, the evil Ed, and I also thought like the guy who plays the um, the TV actor in Fright Night was also. I also liked him because he was just so a classic thespian, and he was he was being like Peter goofy Vincent. and campy. Peter, Peter Vincent. Vincent, and then um, yeah, like the, the I mean, to a lesser extent, I don't know who in the host. I was thinking of the uh, the sort of hero guy, the, like the tough guy in. Um, Train to Busan. I don't know who would be in the host, but I feel like those people are kind of the hearts no, of the these host, movies would, more would, than. Well, I would have picked the dad as the heroic like kind of guy, but he's not really taking the. But he's not. He's not taking the, the, it too unseriously. The dad or like the, like which dad? No, the Two dad dads, of the main character, the one oh, who, okay. uh, who eats shit at some point. Emily and I have talked about this with Bong Joon Ho before, which is like it feels like all of his movies of like that. I haven't seen his like earliest movies. Like, like uh, he made, like, some sort of mystery noir movies, like, before The Host that I haven't seen. Um, but his movies that's, like, The Host, Snowpiercer, Okja, they all feel like they're leading up to Parasite in that, like, they have the same sort of social themes running through them. But there's all this other, like, sci-fi or fantasy or, like, so, like you know, constructed, like, reality and these creatures and all these other things to take to make that message. And then Parasite is that same thing, but he just took away all the, like, crazy stuff and just made it much more grounded and made it better for that reason. Like, I like, I really like him as a director. I like his movies, but, like, there's something sometimes where you don't, like, the, 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 the campiness or the craziness of a movie like The Host where there's this giant amphibious monster... Right, it, it puts you in a position where you're not as ready to receive like genuine emotion from the characters when it when it come when it's brought on, and you're like, wait, what's going on? I wasn't prepared to like actually feel sad, you know what I mean? And then so I feel like he's just kind of been distilling his ideas like simpler, and I kind of I kind of like that. But I mean, I I also like the host. I think the host was my favorite of of the four that we watched. I, I'd say that yeah. um, he based on like all those old movies and how crazy the concepts are but like the underlying like social commentary behind them 
you know, it, it can hit pretty hard. I feel like he, if he wanted to, could be really good at making like an animated film because like there are so many like animated TV series and movies that have like very imaginative and like fantasy driven um, plots and storylines, but like the underlying message, like it's just a really good way to show a metaphor for something like that. And I feel like if he wanted to do that, he could like do a like up to the same quality as Parasite. I'm pretty sure that the I know that the director to Train to Busan, uh, what's his name, Young Young Sang Ho, um, only did animations before he did. Um, he only did anime before he did Train to Busan. So it's pretty. I think pretty fluid. I was thinking about this actually, not for one of our movies, but it does apply. I was when I was watching the Babadook. There's a lot of scenes in those movies, um, or that movie, sorry, um, where I couldn't imagine getting that shot without having to heavily storyboard this. And so I was thinking a lot about that with these movies as well. Is like storyboarding really, I think, becomes the most handy when you're working with a film that deals with supernatural or something that's extremely strange, like uh, the host um, or train to Busan where anime might actually help like drawing these things out because the creativity to come up with the angle of a shot in some of these movies to me would be almost near impossible without first having to draw it because you can't see the visual effects or the thing that you're trying to add until post anyway. So the shot of like the daughter uh, getting whipped away from with the with the monster the 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 han river monster i it has to be heavily storyboarded so it would almost lend itself well to being an anime because it's based so much probably on things that are heavily drawn before that and i was just thinking about that a lot because you know at least in our experience so far with the films we've made we haven't really touched upon that because i think a lot of the times we look for the most beautiful angle but there's not a lot that we need to do to prepare for that beautiful angle, right? We just have to just get into the scene, get into the space and think, okay, we need to get coverage of this actor, coverage of that actor. Oh, this would be kind of an interesting place to put the camera. But with these movies, so much is done later that you have to really just plan it out, you know, and draw it. And that makes it most of the film just like a good anime before it's even made. Well, Bong Joon-ho is like famous. You're totally right, Dylan. He's like famous for like, being so specific and always storing about storyboarding out like all his films to the point where even they released a graphic novel version of Parasite that was just all the storyboards that he did before they made Parasite and you can read it as a graphic novel because it is so detailed so he's like he's like does that to like all like to the utmost degree. I did, and I think I, I think you can see that. Guys, I didn't do any of the. Re- I was just thinking. You're a that. genius. But it's first. No, it was first Brian's thought because Brian's thought that he'd be a good anime uh, director. But I don't know. I was thinking yeah, about that like, a lot yeah. more, like just horror in general. Like some of these, some of the shots and some of the things that you want to convey in camera, it lends itself really well to being drawn first. You know, um, there's a scene not to ruin like the Babadook, but there's a scene where like one. It's not very strange, but one room with a dark shadow in it. You guys have seen it. It grows. The room grows really long, and the shadow starts overtaking a lot of the room. And you see these hands coming out, and I just thought to myself, "That's so. It's so pretty. It's so horrifyingly gorgeous, and probably my favorite shot in the whole film." But I would never have been able to come up with an idea like that if I wasn't just like drawing it first. You know, images in my head of what like truly makes me scared, and I saw that in spades with specifically the host and train to Busan, maybe less so with like Fright Night. Um, Overlord probably as well, but I'm not really sure. Overlord and Fright Night seem to be more enjoyable films and like you can unpack a bit more from, especially the host and a little bit from train to Busan. So, Mm -hmm. so I don't know if I enjoyed Overlord. (laughs) I think that's, (laughs) I think that's a stretch for the sake, made for the sake of enjoyment. Yeah, if it was like a fifty-minute short film without that meat in the middle. I think it'd be pretty damn good. <laughs> yeah, that's what I like. They cra- like you see the cool intro and with their situation they're in, crash land, boom, they're in the Nazi science lab and shit's going nuts and beautiful. Well, that's another thing that's interesting with with this type of movie is that like when you're when you're like marketing it you have to market it as, oh, there are zombies, there are vampires, there's some sort of monster. Like, that is, like, what this movie is. That's why people are going to go see it. So everyone is coming in with the expectation, oh, there's going to be this monster, there's going to be these zombies. So you can't watch one of these movies and not 
be asking yourself, okay, when are the zombies going to come in? Okay, when are the zombies going to come in? And it felt like it took so long with Overlord and I just kept asking myself that question. Whereas like, to your point, Luis, with Fright Night, Fright Night just gets right down to it. Like within 20 minutes, the vampire is like in his home, like trying to kill him and you know exactly what the the, the stakes are and what the, the forces are and, and it, you're just watching it play out rather than like making you wait and wait and wait and then you're kind of just distracted by thinking like well but when are we gonna when am i gonna see the thing that i came to see basically and as we know in a vampire movie the stakes are always high oh (laughs) what a pun actually we were looking for a month you're welcome that was a good one right there also there was something like so there was something so crass about like overlord's handling of like these nazi experiments because that's like true you know what i mean the fact that nazis tortured people is true so that then we then kind of like mutated into this zombie thing for the sake of entertainment i don't know to me it just seems so gauche like it's something about it just doesn't doesn't feel good you know you know Mm -hmm. i think maybe that's why that film stood in the mid-ground the whole time like you got one dude on set being like let's not take it too seriously and then another guy on set just saying, but it's a serious subject, you know, and they just couldn't decide where they wanted to sit. Mm-hmm. And-, and because they couldn't, because they didn't either lighten the fuck up and just make it a zombie movie or actually treat it as a serious war movie about war crimes, like we ended in this middling position where nothing was good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. You're absolutely right. In, in short, yep. Brian, what the fuck, bro? Brian, we hated it. (laughs) But honestly, I enjoy, I I mean, I enjoy shitting on a movie as much as I enjoy talking about, like, the process of- You gotta have one on the list that you can go to town on. Exactly. The punching bag. I think I enjoy watching good movies, obviously more than bad movies, but talking about bad movies, I think is very fun. infamous Vaughnathon when we were living in Australia, bro. You remember that? Yeah. My favorite was Fright Night, then The Host- um and then that's it those are my only two i would not watch the other two ever again the end <laughs> yeah i think my fa- my like i said my favorite was the host least favorite overlord honestly i feel like i, I yeah I, I didn't think train to busan was that good but i think that was just because we watched this weird dubbed version like, it, it was but it was still a fun experience it was like that it was that can be experience you're describing so i'm okay. glad i had it but like it just, it, it really didn't translate well. Yeah. Me and Dylan watched this on Amazon Prime, I believe. And the subtitles are pretty good. Is it possible you guys watched this? Illegally? We watched it on Amazon Prime. No, no, no. So. We watched it. It was, it was some, it, it was not illegal. We watched it. <laughs> oh, the oh. other part. Oh, I forgot. We watched it free with commercials. <laughs> so it really <laughs> fucked up the experience. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh my god! You just asked. You've for totally a bad time. ruined your experience of an otherwise pretty great zombie film. I yeah. know, I know, but it was movie. free. Honestly, I can imagine. I can imagine those like after uh, picture lock inserts of the like dissolves when commercials come up, like the, like when you used to watch movies on like cable, and like they would have those dissolves at like the most opportune moment. This was no dissolves. This was just hard cut in the middle of a shot to a minute of commercials, <laughs> and then back into the same shot. And also, I'd like to point out too that like. You can tell, like, how cool the movie you're watching is based on the advertisements associated with that movie. And, like, the ads for this movie were, like, you know, Cialis, um, like, cars, like, cars, like, like, erectile dysfunction. I don't like, think there was oh, any um, like, dysfunction heart ads. failure, medication, like, like, we're talking very low bar. Zombies are totally riddled with Cialis and erectile, and ED. They suffer immensely from ED that'd be a fucking crazy movie if like uh, no yeah. let's not get into that rabbit hole this only real fans that's, Emily talking about her sexual awakening with vampires and I talk about how zombies all have erectile problems <laughs> so horrible it was hard to pick between yeah. Train to Busan or The Host which one I liked better but I remember from start to finish I was like more invested in what was going on in Train to Busan maybe just because it was more high octane um, and the host wasn't as, I guess, suspenseful as I thought it was going to be, but I really liked the parallels that it has to like current time. You know, uh, tempted to put Overload first, you know, just because it's got so much shitting on it now. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, 
a real it's a real great movie to watch with a friend and make fun of as you go. No, but I, I actually really like Train to Busan. I mean, I didn't have the problem of a ridiculous dub, which I think helped. And, More commercials. Uh, thankfully, it could totally work as like a silent movie. Probably could probably work as a silent movie. So you know, the subtitles weren't too problematic. But uh, yeah, good. It, it, it delivered on the zombie movie front in a way that I think Fright Night delivered on the the, the vampire front. You know, it was a zombie movie. They hit all the beats. You know, it was good. We have a we have a composer for this podcast. He lives in London. I loved the music for the last one. I, I didn't know where that came from. I thought you just found it somewhere. Wow, that's that's awesome. His name's Tom Richards, and he's got a band as well called uh, Soft Girls and Boys Club. Oh, I like that. So plugging those guys, they're really Shout great. Out. Definitely listen to them. But yeah, he remixed um, a, uh, a Halloween themes for us for this month, so I'm very excited to use those. If nothing else, those will be featured in this month's uh, podcast, which is pretty cool. Yes. So let's get on to next month. What's what's November? Oh yes. Yeah. So our next month's theme is Simon. Oh, so actually Simon and I are watching a movie every day for all of November. So that's like our personal thing, and um, we have taken from that list things that yeah like, we we made a list basically of like what thirty movies we we're gonna watch in November, and then since it was our turn, we'll just like oh we'll just pick a couple off of this list that have kind of a cohesive theme. And what we saw was like there's a couple like queer movies like either from like queer directors or about like you know gay stories or or just just we'll we'll put it under the umbrella of like queer films um and the three that we had picked were but i'm a cheerleader which is a movie that emily's wanted to watch for a while it's a well i won't I, i won't give it away it's it's but it's but i'm a cheerleader um directed by jamie babbitt uh pariah by d reese who's like you know the director who recently did like mudbound and stuff this was her like kind of her breakout uh pariah and all about my mother which is pedro almodovar i've never seen any of uh, his movies and he's like a pretty okay we'll uh Oh, yeah. Really? Okay, well, then we'll have it. Yeah, but I mean, to be honest with you, I watched an Elmodovar film in, like, college with, like, a teacher I didn't like, so maybe I will enjoy this Elmodovar film. Juicy. Is it just those three? Yeah, just those three. Have you guys seen any of them? I haven't heard of any of these, so I'm excited to no. watch them. No, I'm excited. All right, we'll send them along in, like, a email or text. Awesome. All right, well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you in a month. See you in a month. Bye!